1: Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
2: Live Nation presents Concert Week. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club.
3: Welcome to the Hank Haney Podcast, a production of iHeartRadio. All right, welcome to the... Hank any Podcast, everyone. Great to be with you today. Minnesota Tim's joining me from the great state of Minnesota. How is it in Minnesota today, Tim? It's warming up. It's warming
4: up. We had our first snowstorm last weekend, and uh, today was a nice, solid 57 degrees.
3: Solid 57.
4: Solid 57. I had a little sweatshirt on. I went outside. I started moving a little bit. Then I could take the sweatshirt off. Really? Nice. Did,
3: you, did you golf today or what?
4: No, I didn't golf today. Um, I just threw the football around. Okay. Tossed it around a little bit. Took the niece to the playground a little bit. Nice. Play- playgrounds have gotten tough as you get older. Playgrounds get tough. I was I went on the I went on the monkey bars and I was like, man, <laughs> I don't How have that like I done? used to. I'm at 28.
3: <laughs> okay, 28. Monkey bars. Did you? How'd you do on them? Pretty good.
4: No, no, not good <laughs> at all. Because the one of the one of the issues was is that my feet can reach the ground when I grab onto the monkey bars. Yeah, they're that's built a for little because they're built for kids. So I gotta lift them up and then when I'm trying to go from monkey bar to monkey bar, it becomes a big challenge.
3: Yeah, that's a that's a tough one. I I can't say I've been on the monkey bars I'm, Although Henry Hudson gets on the my son gets on the monkey bars. He likes he likes those monkey bars. What do you got, uh, you got what do you got playing tomorrow? You got golf tomorrow? Shadowbrook, you going up to Shadowbrook, play a little golf?
4: Yeah, might stop by Shadowbrook tomorrow. They got
3: a great deal. They got a great deal. And it's supposed to be 64 degrees
4: right now. They got $19 right now for 18 holes in a cart. Really? The It's, it's like the last special before the winter hits. Okay. So try, trying to pry away those final few golfers away from their warm furnaces and get them on the greens
3: When do the courses close in Minnesota? Minnesota's a big golfing state. What when do do they just close whenever the, the snow flies and you can't get out there? Or do they have a closing date? How does that work up there?
4: Yeah, yeah, that's how it works. Um, it's they close when the snow flies. They, they try to stay open as long as you can. Yeah. It, people love golf. Like you said, it's one of the top golfing states in the country. And then also, you got it, What's quite interesting is that my uncle Tom's golf course at Shadowbrook—they've been open during Christmas. They had the Come Santa on. Claus. They had the Santa Claus get together. You know really? how Tiger Woods has. You know how Tiger has the get together in the Bahamas. Yeah. My uncle had the Santa Claus get together at Shadowbrook a couple of years ago.
3: Wow, Uncle Tom. Uncle Tom, yeah. All right, I like it. I like it. So, so, so this is actually a pretty good, good fall. You had the, the early snowfall, which uh, got all the, got the state bird. Uh, the Minnesota state bird, the mosquito, to uh, migrate and uh, yeah. head south. So that took care of the mosquitoes, and uh, and now you got some warm weather. So so you're you're still golfing. It's uh, it's pretty good. I mean, got big big uh, big big year in Minnesota for golf. Yeah, yeah. Big you think year. Play, you think play is up? Is play up at, at, at How How is how would you rate play? You know, if people talk about a lot the the state of golf. Is it growing? Is it staying the same? You know, what what is it shrinking? Uh, rounds of golf—that's a big thing. A lot of it's weather-related, economy-related. Economy's good. Uh, weather's hanging pretty good now for the for the fall so far. You know, and in, in a lot of parts of the country. Uh, what, what's your sense of the the golf, uh, you know, uh, economy right now?
4: It seems to be dwindling down this time of year, at least at Shatterbrook. Um, but they still get good numbers. Just a couple of weeks ago, Saturday was packed. That was in September, still. Okay. So. You know the numbers are still doing all right. You know, but it's getting colder, so some people are just staying home and not, not quite brave in the cold. But people are warriors out here, Hank. They they like to get to the golf course as often as they can, as they just like to play. It doesn't matter what how cold it is, what the temperature is. They just want to play.
3: Okay, let me ask you something. I, I a, a couple weeks ago or a week ago or something, you were doing a little moonlight. You were out there uh, aerifying the greens. At Shadowbrook, yes. well, yeah. I mean, is that like a, a? Are you a superintendent? No, that was my that was the first time. Yeah, that was my first time. First, I did it. first time, what'd you do? Just you picked up a shovel, or what? You, you drove the machine. What was your what? You, what was your job? Aerification. I'm going to talk about aerification a little bit. Generally, you do it two times a year. Two times a year on golf courses. Golfers hate it. The greens get aerified. There there's holes in the greens. It's bumpy. But uh, they usually do it in the spring. They do it in the fall. That's usually the way the program works. Uh, it depends what kind of grass you have. You obviously have bent grass up in Minnesota. In Texas, we've got Bermuda grass, so you want to do it in the spring once the last freeze is really hit because you don't want to open up the greens and let the, the cold down in there and damage the, the, the grass. So once, once you're pretty sure that last freeze is done and the grass starts growing, you're going to open them up. Uh, get rid of the compaction. You aerify the greens, and then you do it again. You know, towards the end of the summer, but giving you plenty of time to, to heal over. Now, in in Minnesota, I'm sure you do it. You know, spring, and then you do it. Do it fall. You did did it late in the season. So this is your first time on the uh, aerification. What what? How'd that go? What? what tell, me, tell me what you did. So I
4: was in charge of sweeping the aerification sand off the green. Okay. So i I got in the golf cart. Uncle Tom. I was working with Uncle Tom out there. Uncle Tom hooked up the machine to the golf cart, and I slowly drove. What do you over mean the, the machine?
3: The 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 the, the, the sweeper, blower.
4: The the bl- yeah the blower the. So brush. You, you got
3: a, you got a thing hooked up on the back. You got the gas blower going, and you're pulling behind the a golf cart. Is that I got a visual here? Correct.
4: Yep. Yep. That's what I was doing. I was I went over greens number. Nine, number six, one and two. So I I did four greens that day, and uh it was late at night. At the end, I couldn't even see the green. I was just kind of feeling the green. You know how Tiger feels the greens with his feet. Yeah, I was, was yeah, I was, I was feeling the green with the golf cart wheels. They don't have
3: lights on the carts at Uncle Tom's.
4: No, no. Okay,
3: all right. Yeah, yeah. Not even on the maintenance vehicles.
4: No, I I didn't have a maintenance vehicle. I just had a regular golf cart. Yeah,
3: the golf cart. Okay, all right. Yeah. That's good. Do they do they uh, just drive them straight over the greens, or do they d- deflate the tires, make it a little easier on the green? How does that work?
4: Yeah, I was just driving it right over the green. Um, okay. It was yeah. I was driving really slow. I wasn't driving fast.
3: How'd you feel like you did as a superintendent assistant for the day?
4: I was a little shaky at first because I didn't know how in depth I was supposed to get. I didn't. Well, know you were how just far.
3: blowing the green is all you were doing. You weren't doing a lot,
4: right? But right, but you had to do it over the same spot multiple times to make sure all the sand was off of the green. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know what I mean? So well, it's the like plugs,
3: how you're many trying time- to get rid of the plugs, right?
4: Right, right, yeah. right. So how many times do I go over it without wrecking the green? He said three or four times. So I went over three or four times and then it okay. still seemed like it was there after the third or fourth time.
3: Well, it is there a little bit, but just as long as you can yeah. still, you know, kind of putt and you know, they get out there the next morning and uh, smooth them out some more, you'll be you'll be good to go. They they fill in the sand and then then you you know you got to drag it in with the with, usually with the drag mat and then you uh, blow the excess, I guess, off with the uh, with the Uncle Tom uh, hooked up uh, blower thing. You are going all right. That's good, good, good. You got some superintendent experience. You think you are going to continue that as a career, or what do you think?
4: Uh, probably not. I'm probably going to stick to the
3: radio. Okay. All right. Sticking to the radio, radio right.
4: and podcasts.
3: I like it. I like it. I like it. The podcast is going great. we got a lot of great participation. People are calling in. People are uh, finding us on Twitter. Uh, you can send in questions at Hank at outlook.com. You can find me on Twitter at Hank Haney. You can call, uh, leave a message. Minnesota Tim will, uh, check out all any and all messages. Uh, you, we got the phone number there, Tim.
4: Yeah, 833 426 5763,
3: extension 801. Okay, so, and uh, by, speaking of the phone numbers, let's. Uh, we, Katie John called in, our, our good friend Katie John from Atlanta, and uh, he left a message. What what did Katie John have to say?
1: Katie John in Atlanta on assignment today, Hank, overlooking the Gulf of Mexico, white sand beaches in Miramar Beach, Florida tropical storm on the way. It's always good to be on assignment. Reminds me of the last time I called into the show on assignment as the cruise ship pulled in to Puerto Rico before it cut <laughs> us off. But I'm looking here over this Gulf of Mexico, tropical storm in the distance. It reminds me of Coco Brooks Kepkin and what he just laid out, the reality of any kind of comparison between he and Rory McElroy. But my question, Hank, is, Did he actually just do Rory McIlroy the biggest favor possible? Did he actually just push Rory McIlroy a little bit? McIlroy has struggled historically to stay motivated, never had anybody to push him. Not only did Coco push him, he really kind of pushed him out of the way. So what do you think McIlroy's perspective of Pepka laying out the reality of who is man right now and who is mouse?
3: <laughs> well, uh, Kepka, you know that's a good point, uh, Minnesota Tim, because Kepka he's uh, he he keeps drilling home the point about the major champions. Like like in, in his mind, there's just majors and there's nothing else. And in his mind, uh, you know, he was. Uh, player of the year by a mile. It doesn't matter whether they gave it to him or not. He used a LeBron comparison saying that LeBron was clearly the best player in basketball for more than just four years, and yet he only won the MVP four years. So what difference does it make? He's number one in the world, Kepke is, and he uh, is pretty confident. In, in his place in golf, he's, he's keeping track of majors. There's no no two ways about it. So what he said, here's what Kepka said. He said, I've been out here for, what, five years? Rory hasn't won a major since I've been on the PGA Tour. So I just don't view it as a rivalry because they're asking him if this is a rivalry. He said, no, nah, I'm not looking at anybody behind me, Kepka goes on to say. I'm the number one in the world. I've got an open road in front of me. I'm not looking in the rearview mirror, so I don't see it as a rivalry uh pretty pretty strong statements there i mean it, and uh not surprising cuz Kepka is a confident guy he's made comments like this before at at the major championships where he's shown up and said uh you know i've got more confidence than any player here i, I you know i feel like i'm here to win uh, you know so on and so forth i mean everything he says is 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 confidence there's no doubt about it i mean he's not he's not a uh you know kind of every PGA Tour event player and I don't think he means to be and I don't think he cares if he is I mean he's he's uh, playing over at the CJ Bridges over in uh, South Korea and this week and he's a defending champion over there uh, he got off to a you know a, a decent start I don't know what he he shot like a a couple under I think and you know he's 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 not Eight under was leading. He was a couple under. I mean, he's not you know in bad shape, not in great shape, but uh, you know he's got a long way to go before he's going to have back to back wins. I don't think he really cares. I mean, honestly, I think he just cares about the big tournaments, or at least he's going to he's going to sell that. That's what he sells. Everybody's selling something. You know, you ever notice that, Tim? I mean, everybody's selling something. I mean. Yeah, you know t- Tiger's gonna. T- when Tiger talks, he 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 tells the media what he wants them to write. When Kepka's talking, he's telling the media what he wants them to. write. He wants them to believe, just that he does, that the only thing that matters are the big tournaments. That's what he's trying to sell. What do you think?
4: Well, the first thing I want to point out is that Kepka's first full season on the PGA Tour was 2014. Rory won two major championships that year. Back to back. Open okay. championship and the PGA. So first, I don't think Kepka's timing or wording is exactly accurate. I, I want to point that out there.
3: All right. So he he got the he got the, the dates wrong a little bit, huh?
4: Yeah, he didn't have to, I mean Rory won twice in 2014. Since since then, though, he's been decent in majors. He hasn't won a major, and that's all that really matters. So he's accurate about that part, um, but about the part that you were talking about of players telling you what they want to hear.
3: Yeah, that's what they do. Trust me.
4: Yeah, they're definitely you're definitely right about that. I mean, nobody, no players want the media to tell a story that isn't accurate or that isn't. No, well, they, they, their no, thoughts. no, no, no. They
3: they don't care if it's accurate or not. They 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 say they do. But what they really want is they want you to tell their version of all the story all the time. And this is uh, this isn't just pro- professional golfers; this is professional athletes, and it's it's coaches and everybody else. I mean, that's just it's just human nature. That's the way it is. So they when they speak, and they could be players or coaches or whatever. I've been there. I mean, you know, I, when I, when I was uh, you know coaching Tiger, and th- these media guys would always come up to me and say, why, "Why is this driving so bad?" And I'd sit there and I'd say, "Well, his driving isn't so bad." yeah uh, you know and and they'd point out he's 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 this much in driving accuracy. I said that statistic doesn't matter. That's a useless statistic. All that matters is 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 how far you hit it and do you hit the ball where you can find it as long as he can find it and doesn't take penalty shots and By the way, now they have statistics you know since that time when everybody was you know giving me a hard time about uh tiger's driving accuracy. They use the strokes gained off the tee statistics, and and 2006, which is one of the years when you know right in the middle of when I was helping Tiger, and you know the media used to give me a bunch of crap about how Tiger's driving was no good, and I still hear it. I mean, I still hear it to you know even today because wow he was with Hank Haney, his iron play was good, but his driving wasn't any good. He was sixth in strokes gained uh, off the tee in in 2006 so i mean like is that really bad i mean it, it's just it's different way of keeping track so i would always be trying to sell to the to the media the fact that no you guys are not keeping track of this right you're not paying attention he's not really hurting himself off the tee he I means tiger woods he's got all the shots if he just can find the ball he'll be okay and so this is this is something that goes on with everybody, every coach, every player, every sport. Doesn't matter what it is, they're all going to be telling you what they want you to write, and and uh, and nobody, nobody, uh, you know, does that better than than Tiger. But a lot of these guys have learned from him, and 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 Kepka's is getting awful good at it too. I mean, he's he's got it got it down pretty good, and he he wants you to write about uh, how the most important thing by far in golf are our uh, major championships because that's where he shines. And you know what? That is how we've always kept track. I mean, that's why, you know, you, you can't keep moving the goalposts like people want to do. Uh, you know, the goalposts are set where they are. And and Jack Nicklaus, if we're going to call Jack Nicklaus the greatest player in the history of the game, and we're going to do it because of his major championship record, then you, you, you can't sit there and say Jack Nicklaus is is, is the greatest player and, and Rory McIlroy deserved to win the player of the year. That's just those two things. That's moving the goalposts. See, that's changing. That's changing the way we're keeping score because Kepka's is the one that, you know, he won the major last year and he's been the dominant player in majors. And that's his point. And that's the one he keeps making. He's going to keep making it. And and then, he you know, he, he went on to talk about Rory and he says, you know, look, I love Rory. and And, you know, everybody loves Rory. I mean, that just doesn't have anything to do with anything. I mean, it's just like a, we all do that, too. Everybody everybody in the media does that. They go, well, I really like this guy. And then they, then they, you know, that means they're getting ready to say something negative. Or they're really getting ready to say something that, that you know, they don't – they know the player doesn't want to hear. And it's like when, you know, Spieth was having trouble with his putting. And I go, like, I really like Rory. Or I really like Jordan. I mean, I'm like a huge, huge Jordan Spieth fan. And then I go and say, "What well, you know, but he's yipping his putts. I mean, it's just like everybody feels like they need to do that before they, they make a comment. So uh, Kepka starts off. He says, I love Rory. He's a great player. He's fun to watch. But it, it, it's just hard to believe there's a rivalry in golf. I just don't see it. And, and that's one of the things that, that you always see in golf. They're always trying to create a rivalry. Uh, you know, it was, it was Phil and Tiger. Uh, you know it was jack and arnie uh, it, you know it's it's always they're always trying to create a rivalry the the fact of the matter is is when the the best player in the history of the game jack Nicklaus, won 12% of his tournaments you look at phil Mickelson, a hall of fame player five major championships you know what do you want 40 45 tournaments whatever it is 44 45 it's one of those two. He he's a you know an incredible champion. He's won like ten percent of the tournaments he's played, probably less by by now. Uh, you know, right in that nine ten percent range for his whole career. When the best players, Hall of Fame players, are winning at below ten percent of the time that they play, how in the world are you going to have a rivalry? They're just not there enough. They're not in the last group enough. They're not there with a chance to win a tournament enough. And it's it really isn't isn't going to happen and that's why why Kepka says that in order for there to be a real rivalry you'd have to have two players that just stand out and those two guys are always there and yeah maybe there would be a rivalry if if you know Rory won the masters and Kepka won the p j and Rory won the open championship and you know kepka won the u s open i mean maybe maybe that would be a rivalry and maybe if that happened a a, a couple years in a row but how is there a rivalry, really, to, to Kepka's point? point? Uh, when you know, there's there's a rivalry because they gave, uh, and and some people think it was just a, it's, it wasn't even a vote. Some people think, so, you know, I've talked to PGA Tour players; they don't even they just thought they just they just you know decided, hey, we're going to give this to Rory, the player of the year. I mean, I've had two, I had uh, two PGA Tour players tell me that they just say we're just going to give it to him. You know, because uh, he won the, the Players' Championship. We want to promote the Players' Championship. He won the Tour Championship. We want to promote the Tour Championship. And, uh, you know, he, he's going to be the – he's the player of the year. I mean, they don't announce a vote. They didn't announce a vote. I mean, I, I listen, I don't know what the deal is. I, I'm just telling you I had two PGA Tour players tell me that. Uh, so, so as long as that stuff's going to happen, uh, you know, Kepka's going to sit there and he's going to, you know, explain that, that, hey, it's about majors. And because it's about majors – uh, I've been winning them. You know, Rory hadn't won one in a while, and there isn't a rivalry. But I will say this. Uh, you know, you look at it, and I don't think there's any doubt if you look at it. And you can analyze the, the World Golf Ranking List, and you can do it, do that all you want. Uh, but it's pretty clear uh, right now, as, as we sit here today, that the two best players in the game are Rory McIlroy and Brooks Kepka. I mean that 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 goes without saying. That's uh, that's absolutely a hundred percent, and I don't I don't know who who could ar- argue argue that that fact. Uh, it doesn't mean you know that they're all always going to be there though, because they're just they're just not. All right, let's take a little break. Hear from our sponsors, and we'll be right back on the Hank Any Podcast.
2: Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club.
5: Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand. It's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products. It's about the ethos that we embody, rugged, resilient, and timeless.
3: All right, so uh, Minnesota Tim, my analogy about uh, the, how they're always moving the goalposts. Uh, what, what uh you got a question on that.
4: Yeah. So I, I basically have one statement to say, reacting to your goalpost okay. comment. So the one, the, the single, the singular greatest accomplishment in golf. No question about it. The grand slam. Can you win all four major championships? Only few players have. And what must you do to win? The Grand Slam. You must win the major championships. So yeah, it is all all about the major championships. Kepka's right.
3: Well, he is right. I mean, there, there's well, there's five guys that have won the career Grand Slam. Now, you know, there's a lot, a lot of guys that came close. Uh, that you know, Mickelson is missing the U.S. Open. Uh, Rory's missing a Masters. Uh, Spiess missing a PGA. And a lot of guys, you know, miss like Byron Nelson. He did, he never got the Open Championship. Uh, Sam Snead never got the U.S. Open. Trevino never got the Masters. Uh, Tom Watson didn't get the PGA. Uh, Arnold Palmer didn't get the PGA. Uh, Snead didn't get the U.S. Open. Walter Hagen won eleven majors. Never got the Masters. I mean, you know, it, it's it, it, there's a lot of people that that came close. So. Yeah, you're looking at the the elite of elite: uh, Jack Nicklaus, Tiger Woods, Ben Hogan, Gary Player, and Gene Sarazen. I mean, if you could if you could join a list of, you know, five names and become the sixth, I mean, I got to think, you know, that's that's an incredible accomplishment. I mean, all these guys we're talking about that you know have a, a, a chance. Anybody in a conversation about major championships, tour wins, whatever, I mean, they're all they're all going to be in the hall of fame. I mean, Roy McElroy's going to the Hall of Fame, Brooks Kepka's going to the hall, they're all going to the Hall of Fame. I mean, they're all going, to, you know, Justin Rose going to the Hall of Fame. Uh you, you know, just I mean, there are all these guys, all these top guys are all going to the Hall of Fame. Speed's going to the Hall of Fame, Justin Thomas going to the Hall of Fame, Dustin Johnson's going to the hall. They're all going to the Hall of Fame. There's a ton of Hall of Fame players. But there's only five guys that have won all the the, the majors, the Grand Slams. Now, uh, you know, winning them all in a career is incredible. Winning them all in one year, which, you know, Tiger came close. I mean, he had all four at, at, at the same time. It wasn't in a calendar year, but he had all four at the same time, which is is pretty remarkable. Uh, but but the major championships hold, hold more weight. It's the same thing in, in, in tennis. I mean, they talk about Grand Slam victories. I mean, I, I couldn't – I mean, I'm a, a – you know, a sort of a casual tennis fan. And you know, I like to watch. I mean, I, you know, I mean, but what do I like to watch? I like to watch the big tournaments. I only watch, I'm, I mean, I'm a tennis fan. I mean, I thought, you know, I'm probably, if you count in fans and you count in people that are that are true fans, I'm probably, a, like, I consider myself a tennis fan. I like to, I, I loved watching. There's a Wimbledon this year it was incredible. I mean, it's unbelievable. So I, I love watching all that stuff uh but what gets me interested i wouldn't i wouldn't know a, a regular uh you know tour event whatever what i don't even know what their tour is called a tennis tour or something i wouldn't even know that from from uh you know watching watching that in a a documentary i don't i don't know the difference i mean i don't that's like watching on you know a, nothing for me i mean but you watch a you know a wimbledon a U.S. open an australian and whatever they got french open i mean i guess those are the majors uh that's something to to get excited about. The same same thing in golf, same thing. that's all. That's what they keep track of. I mean, that's just uh, the bottom line. They try to make other, you know uh, events big. World Golf Championship, try to make that big. Uh, Players Championship, try to make that big. But you know, I mean, there's there's four majors, and that's uh, that's kind of kind of the way it is. Now, that's one of the things people are talking about this year. You know, condensing all those majors into a short period of time is that good or bad for golf? Would it be better to have them all stretched out, or is it better to you know get rid of them and get them all get them all out of the way? Well, I mean, we April, May, June, July, boom, done, finished. That's it. You know what? It's not going to ever happen. But what if you had one? You know, every three months, and you and then, you know. But if you did that, then then you then you really don't ever have an off season. So anyway, now we got the you know we got the season and we got the wrap around and we got the whole thing. But they're and 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 this week they're at the uh, uh, CJ Cup at the 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 bridges. That one's got you excited, right, Tim?
4: Yeah, there's actually players playing in this one. Guys I recognize. <laughs> what do you
3: mean? <laughs> there's players playing in all of them. What are you talking about?
4: Yeah, I mean, these players I recognize. Guys that I would know by the sound of their voice. Players like I would Players I would recognize standing on okay. the street corner. Got Jason Day. Right, you got Day, Jason
3: Day. Justin yeah.
4: Thomas. Yeah, yeah, Justin Thomas.
3: Yeah, Jordan Spieth, um, he's there.
4: Phil Mickelson. Yeah, Spieth. Hideki Matsuyama. Yeah. Graham McDowell. Yeah, I would recognize Graham McDowell, major champion
3: they yeah, yeah. got
4: big, big on the, yeah even got Brooks Kepka playing
3: yeah Danny Willett Gary Woodland U.S Open champion
4: yeah yeah there's they some actually players. got a good
3: field there I mean you look at this field you look at this field look at this field Fleetwood. look at this field compared to uh uh last week at Houston they had two players in the top 50. two count them and they weren't they were like you know 47th and 50th nothing nobody showed up uh, for that of that event, but they're all over here why why are they all at this place? Let me give you a little clue okay there's seventy eight players in the field. It's a no cutter that's why they're there uh no matter how good you are, you love a no cut tournament they they just do It's just a different feel. there's no, they, you know you don't have that uh you don't have that that pressure of uh having to make the cut you know you're there and it's just like it's like free. Free money. I know I remember talking to Pat Perez and he's like, My goodness, you know, playing over there in, in Malaysia, playing over there at the CJ Cup in South Korea. He says, he said, hi, there is no doubt I'm going there. He said, No cut? They're, they're giving away money? What, what, what why wouldn't I not go? Uh, but they've got a they've got a good field. There's no doubt and they got, but they got a lot of their, you know, they got some good young players too. They got the uh Matthew Wolf. Uh he won uh your tournament up there in Minnesota, up and comer. Uh, they got the uh, who they got the Joaquin uh, Neiman? He's there. He he won something, didn't he? Where did he win?
4: He won the uh, Greenbrier.
3: Wrap arounder?
4: Yeah, wrap Mister Wrap
3: around. Yeah, that, that that he won that. I mean, that that counts. I mean, that's a that's about one step up from a Corn Fairy, but uh, that's still a win. A win's a win.
4: They even have the face for slow play here, JB Holmes. He's in the field.
3: <laughs> All right, this is a good field. They I, I, I got some good stuff going on. Well, that, that's uh, that's definitely uh, one that's see. There you go. You got to have you, you, you got to have a field. You got to have somebody that you'll watch. You got to draw in the the, the the fans. I mean, you, you know, you got some guys that are just absolute diehard fans. That are going to watch no matter what. You got other guys that are going to watch because they, uh, you know, there's a somebody they like who's a bigger name is playing, and then you got, you know, everybody's going to watch if Tiger's playing, and then you know if if you've got enough big names playing, and even if Tiger's not playing, then you'll get a you'll you'll get a, a better view there. I mean, just people pay attention more. I mean, when I when I look at a leaderboard and I see you know nobody you know, you know like last week two players in the top 50 uh, i mean that's hard to watch i, I mean i got to be honest with you uh you know it's like it's like watching the uh you know Miami Dolphins against the uh, who else sucks this year i mean whatever you know <laughs> no seriously i mean uh, the redskins and the redskins. dolphins you know, yeah. you know and they want they beat them 17 to 16 okay now that's a you know that's a, a, a heck of a, a you know that's got you glued to your set you can't uh, you can't let go that stuff is uh painful painful it's like uh you know watching a corn fairy tournament i mean geez louise i don't know I mean, th- this is a lot better this week though for sure for sure all right let's take another uh, break uh, hear from our uh sponsors and uh when we come back we're gonna uh, get into a little uh email question we had little instruction tidbit for you Uh, something that, uh, you know, give you a little something, something to think about and we'll be right back on a Hank Indy podcast.
2: Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club.
5: Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand. It's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products. It's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless.
3: All right, Tim. You're modern in all the emails. Uh, Goff uh, at Outlook.com. You can send in a question, and you got a question on uh, anything that you want us to talk about on the show, an observation, uh, a bone you got to pick with uh, me or, or Tim or the Great Predictor Steve Johnson. Uh, any anything that's uh, pertinent to the show, we will definitely check it out. But we got we've got been getting some good questions, and uh, I want to mix in an, an instruction question. So what do we what do we have, Tim?
4: yeah so here's a phone call also uh we got a phone call here
3: okay phone call eight
4: three three four two six five seven six three so we answered a question a couple days ago about hitting the nine shots yeah in golf yeah um high medium low and all that sort of stuff so this guy wanted to ask a question about those nine shots here it is Hank uh <clears throat> you spoke about hitting the nine shots uh I guess in yesterday's podcast and I'm just wondering if it's more than just moving the ball around in your stance. Uh, If there's more to it than that. The reason I ask is I was a pretty good amateur player played in some U S amateurs and whatnot, but you know, I only had one shot and I'm just wondering uh, you know, if you want to hit it low, if you want to hit it high, if you want to hit it medium, uh, is it just a matter of moving it back or forward in your stance, or is there more to it than that? Thanks. My name's Rob, by the way. Thank you.
3: All right, there's, there's Rob uh, calling in. Good, good question. Well, I mean, it's, it's definitely more than just moving around in your stance. Although ball position does have a little something to do with it, when you put the ball further back in your stance, you're going to generally de-loft the club a little bit. You're also going to promote more of an in-out swing, which would give you more of a draw bias to your swing. If you put the ball forward in your stance, you're going to typically add a little more loft to the to the club, and you're going to also angle your swing a little more across the golf ball, which would give you more of a of a fade bias to your swing. You know, Rob mentioned just having one shot, and 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 clearly, you can be a, a great player having having one shot. Uh, you know, a, a lot of people can can play the game, you know, extremely well doing that, and, and they and they've played it at the highest level doing that. I mean, Lee Trevino pretty much played a, a, a fade. Uh, Bruce Litsky, you know, was a great player, a, a tremendous player, and and he just he hit the same shot all the time. The thing that I look at when I talk about playing the nine shots and I'm talking about uh, being able to hit a straight ball that's low, medium and high, uh, a right to left shot, a ball that starts to the right of your target and hooks, if you're a right-handed player, hooks back to the target but not past the target because you don't want to overhook it, low, medium and high, and then then a, a fade if you're a right-handed player, ball starting left of the target, fading back to the target but not past the target, low, medium and high. Those are the nine shots. Uh, ideally you could hit all nine shots because if you can hit all nine shots, it gives you great versatility in terms of attacking a golf course. Uh, Pins on the right, you want to be able to get it to that pin. Fade it in there to that pin is the shot. Hit to the middle of the green, fade it to the pin. If you're a right-handed player, it's a safe but aggressive shot. If the pin's on the left, you hit it to the middle of the green, you draw it to the pin. It it allows you to get the ball close to the hole and – Limits the amount of short side misses that you're going to have. Meaning, if the pin's on the left and you miss it to the left, you got a, you've got what's called a short side miss, and you got a difficult up and in. So you want to try to put the ball in the middle of the green and work it to the pin. Now, if you have one shot, it just limits the amount of holes that maybe you can be aggressive on. So let's say let's say you're playing the, the your predominant shots of fate, and you you get out there and you know. It, Typically speaking, in a tournament day, uh, you know, you're going to have probably, I don't know, you know, four pins that are somewhere in the middle of the green and you're going to have 14 pins on the edges. And of those pins on the edges, usually it's going to be like seven and seven. Okay, maybe it's not. Maybe today it's, it's eight on the right. Six on the left, and you're you're a fader of the golf ball. You can get to all eight of those pins on the right. You can get to the ones in the middle of the green without taking a chance of missing on the short side. But you're a little more challenged for sure on the pins on the left. But maybe those pins on the left are all on holes where you have short irons in. You know, eight, nine, pitching wedge, sand wedge, and it, it it doesn't matter. You don't have to play a shot to the middle of the green and work it to the pin to be conservative because you don't have to really be conservative with it with a wedge in your hand. So it all depends on the on the day, but but being able to work the golf ball was really to me one of the things that made Tiger Woods stand out above all the other players. And it's not just being able to get it pins, it's being able to play off different lies. I remember a, a couple years ago and I'm using Tiger in his example when he was struggling with his ball striking, and he could not draw the ball very well at all. Okay, so he's playing in in Boston at the Deutsche Bank tournament, and I, I forget the exact hole. I got it pictured in my mind, but the pins on the left hand side of the green. Okay, the pins on the left hand side of the green. Uh, he he's in the fairway, but the fairway slopes from left to right, so he's got a fade lie in the fairway. But he needs to draw it to the left pin. Pins on the left. Ideal shot, hit it to the middle of the green, draw it. But he's got a fade lie and he's got a wind off the left. So he's got a wind that that's favoring, pushing your ball to the right. A lie that's pushing your ball to the right. A pin that says you want to hit it in the middle of the green and draw it to the to the pin. And I'm thinking to myself when I'm watching watching the the hole, I'm thinking he doesn't have this shot. There's not, there's, he does not have, at this point in his career, he does not have this shot. He can't get to this pin. So what does he do? He he aims straight at it. Rather than playing it to the middle of the green and drawing it to the pin, he plays straight at the pin. And he pulls it a little bit, and the next thing you know, he's short-sided himself, long and left, and he, he can't get the ball up and in. And that's that's what happens. I'll give you another example of why you want to be able to hit these nine shots, because everybody struggles at certain times in their in their round and their career and their you know month, whatever it is. You struggle with hitting certain shots, whether it be like a, a right to left shot or a left to right shot. And if you're, if you're fading the ball all the time, and all of a sudden your fade, that's, that's your one shot's a fade. And all of a sudden your fade becomes too big of a fade. it becomes Now it becomes a slice or a big, big push. One of the things you have to do to be able to counteract that is, is you have to be able to, to draw the ball. See? The, the way that you find the middle, and I tell people this all the time, if somebody sa- says to me, Hank, I want you to drive right down the middle of the road or drive right down the, the the yeah drive drive right down the center of the road or the center of your lane. Well, in order for me to do that, I have to know two things. I have to know, okay, where's the line that I can't cross over on the left and where is the line or the ditch on the right. Without knowing those two things, I can't find the center of the road. It's the same thing with your with your golf swing, with your ball flight. If you can only fade the ball and all of a sudden your fade becomes too big, you don't have the ability to correct it. But if you can, if you can fade it and draw it with equal ease and today maybe your fade becomes too big, then go to the practice tee and you draw it for a while. Sam Sneed said this. He said it, he said it best. And they asked him, what do you do when you're, when you're slicing the ball? He said, I play with it on the golf course, play with what I've got. And then I go to the practice tee and for like 30 minutes, I'll just hook the ball. And he said, what do you do when you're hooking it too much? He said, I'll play, I play with my hook on the golf course and then I go to the practice tee and I fade it for 30 minutes. And that's how he kind of neutralized his swing. So that's, that, that's the value uh, of, of having the nine shots. And, and, and being able to control the different trajectories allows you to play in the wind, To hit the different pins, a front pin where you want the ball elevated more, a back pin where you maybe want to flight it down a little bit, it also allows you to do the one thing that Mark O'Meara always talks about, the great Hall of Famer always talks about hitting the ball pin high. And, And in order to hit the ball pin high, you have to be able to control the trajectory that you hit your shots. If you don't control the trajectory that you hit your shots, then you're 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 not going to going to be able to uh get the golf ball to to fly pin high and if you don't fly pin high uh, and get that distance right, then it's going to be very difficult to have uh, birdie putts that are, that are really giving you any real chance of making a birdie. So that's a, that's the nine shots there, uh Minnesota Tim. Uh you got to probably work on a few of those, don't you?
4: Uh yeah. <laughs> all nine all yeah nine. most people need,
3: most most people need to too. All right, that's yeah. good 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 uh good stuff today a uh, lot of a lot of uh, good participation good questions uh great topics,
4: yeah, we can wrap up with some uh Twitter response here Hank
3: all right, let's hear it
4: so we got so we posed the question on your Twitter, what would you have called tiger's memoir
3: yeah that's a big thing the memoir people are talking about it a lot that's getting a lot of publicity tiger's uh doing the memoir book. Uh, that'll be a must read. Uh, he's gonna, he said he's gonna correct everything that everyone else got wrong in their books is what he said. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah.
4: So what definitive. He he said, definitive.
3: Definitive. Yeah. The definitive memoir. Well, uh, I wonder is, yeah, he'll probably, he'll, I would imagine he's probably gonna leave a few things out too, but, um, there's probably a few things that aren't real comfortable talking about, but anyway, it'll be good. I mean, you know what, anytime you get an insight into greatness, which is what I tried to do with, with my book that I, I wrote about my years coaching Tiger Woods, The Big Miss. Uh, it gave you some insight into well m- me and 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 how a coach thinks, and you know what it's like to work with greatness because uh, they you know Tiger Woods truly is greatness. So anytime you get a, a chance to look inside a little bit, even if it's not the uh, clearest eye view, which I'm I'm sure you won't get. Uh, but uh, it's still going to be very, very interesting. There's no doubt about that. That'll be number one bestseller. You can you can take that one to the bank.
4: Yeah. So we got some great response here. We asked okay. the the people what they would call the book. So the opener, the first response we got from Wayne. He so he goes out of the woods. And then uh, some of the funnier ones here. Who put that hydrant there?
3: <laughs> Who put that hydrant there? Yeah, that's a oh, pretty funny one. Oh man, things um, went south that that Thanksgiving. Yeah. <laughs> things went south when he hit the hydrant. No doubt about it. You like this one, Popsicle Police? The popsicle. Oh, that that's from that's from the Big Miss. That was my uh, popsicle story. We were uh, having dinner one night, and uh, Tiger. You know, we just gotten done eating, and Tiger goes over the refrigerator and gets a popsicle. And I'm thinking to myself, geez, I, I'd kind of like, I'd kind of like a popsicle, you know. I mean, I'd really, I'd, I'd kind of like. Well, that thing looks pretty good, you know. But I, but I'm like, he didn't offer me one. I wonder if that was the last one, or, you know, I mean. Uh, it's kind of feeling awkward. You know, you're in somebody else's house. You just don't, you know, I, I just don't generally just go, you know, rummaging through somebody's refrigerator. But anyway, so I finally got up enough nerve and I asked Tiger, I said, hey, can I have one of those popsicles? And he looked at me like I was like nuts in the head or something. Are you crazy? What are you thinking about? I mean, he said, why, why would you ask me that? And I'm, I'm and he says, of course, go get one. And I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, it's just, I don't know. It just was kind of weird, you know? I mean, like, I mean, like, Tim, if you were at my house, okay, and, you know, I mean, no, seriously. And, and like, I went to the, like, I was hungry, okay? So I go to the cabinet and I'm like, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to get me some chocolate chip cookies. That's like a favorite of mine, okay? A little chocolate chip cookie. And I would, if I go to the cabinet and, and there's like one left, I'm thinking, oh boy. I can't really eat this chocolate chip cookie in front of Tim, you know, because I don't have another one to offer him. So what I probably would do is I'd probably go like, hey, Tim, you want a chocolate chip quick cookie? And I'd be hoping like you would say no. Okay. You know, most people, I think everybody can relate to this. Okay. And, and, and. Or I'd pick something else out. I'd like, hey, we got some oatmeal cookies, and I got a bunch of them, so I'm just going to bring these back. And if Tim wants some, he can have some. And it was just that the story was to illustrate uh, the fact that Tiger's in his own world. Well, he didn't mean anything by it, and I didn't mean anything by telling the story. It's just like it's just it it illustrated that he is in his own world, and it's. I think it, it truthfully. I really believe that's one of the reasons he just stood out above everybody else. To be honest with you.
4: Well, we can wrap up with this question then. Right. Did you get one?
3: I did get a popsicle. I did get one. Yeah. What flavor was it? Uh, I'll take any flavor popsicle. Uh, I, I'm a fan of the popsicle. So any 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 flavor, any flavor. And my son Henry goes and gets those popsicles. And uh, and the other night he went and got one, and I said, "Where's mine?" <laughs> and he looked at me and he started like smiling, you know, but he's six. Okay. He's six. So I'm, I'm teaching him about uh, offering one. When you, when you go to get something, bring something back for dad too. Don't just be uh, hogging that, that thing all for yourself. If there's only one left, you better pick something else or offer it me first because that's just the way the program's supposed to work. Anyway, that's my my that's how I think it's supposed to work. But but what do I know? All right, Tim, uh, good job today. Enjoyed being with you. Uh, we got some great uh, great uh, feedback so far on the podcast. Appreciate everybody listening. Uh, tell your friends. Uh, keep downloading uh, the the uh, podcast, and uh, we appreciate. being with us on the Hank Haney podcast on iHeartRadio. Thanks for tuning into the Hank Haney podcast. Listen, follow, rate, and share on iTunes, on the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can make your thoughts and questions heard by emailing the show at HankHaneyGoff at Outlook.com. And you can also tweet me directly by sending your tweets to at Hank Haney on Twitter.
2: until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club.
0: Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh?
2: Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country.